0: Well, hello, what is going on, fine people? This is Brett McGrath, and this is Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I wanna thank you for being here. I hope you all had a really nice Labor Day weekend, got a chance to kick back, enjoy the weather, watch some college football, hang out with the family, and how about spend some time with your collection. I'm recording this early. I'm off. I'm about to get out of Dodge. I'm going to take advantage of this extra day and I am heading to Chicago. Um before we talk about what we're talking about today and all of that, I have to thank our unofficial sponsor, Crumble Cookie. I believe this is their second time on board here unofficially sponsoring the Stacking Size podcast. But I'm telling you what, it is the cookie of all cookies. The Mount Rushmore of cookies, Crumble Cookie is in there somewhere. They might be in there in multiple places based on their wide variety of unbelievable flavors. It's what makes me really, really happy. As a matter of fact, this past week, I was really, really worn down. I had a long day at work, pick up to and from my daughter's school, getting her ready, dinner, all the chores. And when the dust finally settled, I looked around and we had no treats, no treats. And so I hit the DoorDash app, I'm not going to lie, and I ordered a four pack. I got Snickerdoodle cupcake. I got two milk chocolate chip. I'm a chocolate chip mark through and through. And then a cookie butter lava, featuring Bischoff. Sorry, Biscoff. Biscoff. I had to look it up. Went to the Google machine. That's the. Those are the little gimmicks they give you when you're on an airplane. Those little biscuits. Well, let me tell you what. They crushed those little biscuits up, and they put it on this cookie, and it was out of this world. So I just want to thank. Believe that's the fastest growing cookie chain in America. I saw a piece on CBS Sunday Morning uh with the founders of Crumble. Big fans over here. So thank you for your continued support. Eat some damn cookies, enjoy life. I'm heading up right after I get done with this recording. I'm going to Chicago to see some professional wrestling. I got a notification yesterday that and this is going to be this is AEW baby All Elite. I'm going to Collision Saturday nights. All right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. I saw a notification that Dennis Rodman, the worm, or as he's known in the professional wrestling sphere, Rodzilla, will be in the United Center. How nostalgic is that? I get to see Dennis Rodman, not on a basketball court, but in a wrestling ring in the United Center. I'm fired up for that. Sunday, I'll be at All Out, AEW's next pay-per-view, seeing my best friend, going to do whatever I can to take advantage and enjoy this holiday And do it from the lens of professional wrestling. And then on the other side of this, as this episode goes live, tomorrow we will have the NFL season kicking off, which is freaking awesome. Are you fired up? I know I'm fired up. We got Lions, Chiefs, the Mahomes of it all. You've got the Lions who are the team that everyone's saying this is their year. This is where they're finally going to go. Really good offense last year, so I'm excited for the season to kick off. But most importantly for me, it's going to be about Sunday. It's going to be about Sunday at about 1 o'clock, walking into Lucas Oil Stadium. Holtz against those pesky, favorited to win the division, Jacksonville Jaguars. T-Law is, if you will, all the pipe around the Jaguars. T-Law, the hobby heartthrob. T-Law, all over showcases. I'm sure if you were in the Burbank show this week, T-Law was the currency of choice. Well, I don't predict games. I don't predict the future. But I'll tell you what. I'm excited to see my quarterback, Anthony Richardson's debut against T-Law in my hometown. There's not a better place to see the best team in the division, allegedly, at your home field other than week one. So I'm fired up. I'm going to go with my wife. It's probably the only game she's going to get to before baby number two comes. Baby number two is coming. We're about about a month away or so. So I am just going and going and going and life is coming at me fast. But that's why we're here. And so back to that, maybe the Anthony Richardson of it all. I think This to me, and this moment of seeing my player out there, my new quarterback, it really is the intersection of the mainstream and the collector. And I think this happens when your team drafts one of these hot prospects and all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, of course I'm excited about this, but based on the way the mainstream operates, everyone's going to be excited about this from a card perspective because you know what happens. We buy these guys way too high, and we've got this thought process that if they, you know, do something, then the price of those cards that we spent way too much money on are going to go up 2X, 3X, 4X, 5X, 6X, 7X, 10X, because 2021 in the bubble, baby. And it was like that before, but now, man, this is the mindset of the mainstream. So what I'm up against as an Anthony Richardson fan, as an Anthony Richardson collector, as a Colts guy through and through is... You've got the unproven quarterbacks. They are the new commodity of the mainstream. That's what we're seeing on the reels, baby. We are seeing all these guys. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what you do. As long as you're QB number one and you've got cards, the advantage that the mainstream can take on you is that you haven't seen them yet. So we're going to sell you on the hype. We're going to sell you on the potential. I'm up against that. I'm a, up against the Panini situation of it all. Will the will there be Anthony Richardson cards that are coming up in premier brands in Colts uniform? I who know. Who knows what's happening with this lawsuit and the litigation and all of this? So I'm up against some litigation, baby. I am. I'm also up against overpaying and overcommitting because of my damn passion. I'm up against that. I've got the unproven QB as the commodity, the panini situation of it all, and overpaying and overcommitting because Of my damn passion for the Indianapolis Colts. But what's fandom for? Fandom is for overcoming adversity, or overcoming adversity is one of my favorite things to do in this world. So it's an opportunity to identify ways to make my collection rule with players that I love. It's cataloging this position in my collection, whether it works out or not. My premise of my primary PC is that telling the story and the history of my favorite Colts quarterbacks. And we've all been through that rodeo, and we've all been through those cycles. And you've heard me talk about that on this podcast. Well, let me tell you what, Anthony Richardson is a part of that story. So I need to overcome some damn adversity and figure out a way to get this guy's cards and my collections at all costs. I think this will be a fun experience for me. I don't know which way it's going to shake out. I don't know how it's going to go. But you know what? I'm just excited for football. I'm excited to collect some damn sports cards. And I hope you are too. I want to shout out something I saw that probably not a lot of people saw this week on the Instagram. And no, I'm not talking about fake Michael Jordan jerseys. We've already got enough outlets doing that. And how about that story? That's something, huh? A lot going on. Probably some more fallout will have happened by the time this goes live. But we're not here to talk about the hobby drama. This isn't a sewing circle. We all know who's doing what. We're all pointing fingers already. It's already happened. We don't need to cover it here on the Stacking Slash Podcast because this is your hobby content alternative and we talk about collecting sports cards here. But one thing I did see that I wanted to shout out because I love when I see this is a post from Leather Helmet Cards. Shout out Leather Helmet Cards. And I just thought this was cool. And I just love it when these moments happen. But this is a football collector, hence the name Leather Helmet Cards. Who is posting a wrestling card? And so I'm going to read his post and it says, and it's, it's a, an awesome card and an awesome shot. And actually the title that the person on the belt has in the photo, I have signed by this person, which makes it actually super cool. So it is the 2021 tops, Chrome WWE Bret Hart, Five Timers Club, Out of 50, Gold Refractor, PSA 10, and Leather Helmet Cards' caption says, during the pandemic, I found myself getting back into wrestling. I had grown up on the Monday Night Wars of the 90s and was drawn in through pure nostalgia. Bret Hart was always one of my favorites. His passion and technique always stood out, and I also appreciated that he is a fellow Canadian. I found the wrestling card market was much harder to learn than basketball or football, a very niche and passionate collector group. I have been fortunate to learn afar from collectors like Stacking Slabs. Thank you very much, Drake's PC. This insert gold refractor always stood out to me, and I knew I needed to pursue it. This one has been one sitting on my desk for weeks to channel my inner hitman at work. The best there is, the best there was and the best there ever will be. That post just hit the feel spot for me so much because it was seeing a passionate football card collector tap into his inner nostalgia and then go buy a wrestling card. That post just was awesome. And I just wanted to spend some time to call it out here because this isn't a, hey, everyone, go get into wrestling cards because this is what Leather Helmet Cards is saying. But This is a call to tap into your passion, tap into your nostalgia. And when you tap into your passion and you tap into your nostalgia, some really freaking cool things can happen with your collection. It is way better to tap into your inner nostalgia and go pursue those paths and pursue those lanes on new cards, new sports, new products, than it is to go just passively consume content on the Instagram reel of people putting cash out there and talking about prospects who haven't done anything yet. And that's the direction you go. We've all done it. We've all gone both directions, but I just wanted to call that out because I think that's really freaking cool. I want to thank my man, Marino collector, Tim, the encyclopedia of football card knowledge for that show. Our episode last week. If you haven't got a chance already, go check it out. It is in the archives. Tim is a passionate collector who is super knowledgeable, who has tons of experience. And I'm glad that we could spend some time pulling out some of that knowledge, insights, and passion. He's a guy I'd love to sit down and talk for hours with. There's so many topics and lanes that we can explore. The one thing that stood out to me was the prism of it all. I think it was just so interesting when you have a a collector who's been doing it for so many years, who talks in such reverence about the Prism brand and highlighting some of the things that he's seeing of why this product is something that he is collecting, even though it's a post-playing day card for a player like Dan Marino. Um, I love the mindset of what he said about it. There's like, if you so think about the Gold Prism, think about the Gold Prism, think about the popularity of the Gold Prism. And there's 10 copies of the Gold Prism card every year for specific players in whatever you collect, okay? So like that, if you like zoom out, and I think about like Andrew Luck. So I just went through this, right? I, I posted, I've talked about it enough, but we've got the 2012, you've got the 13, the 14, the 15, the 16, the 17, the 18, and the 19. So there's eight years for me as an Andrew Luck fan of Andrew Luck Gold Prism. That is 80 cards total, out of that. If you think about the something like, I think what he drew comparison was, was like um, the PMG, right? So there's a PMG, there's 100 or 150 copies of the PMG. So you begin to think about just the rarity and scarcity of a parallel, like a Prism Gold that has notoriety and popularity And him, even though he's a Moreno fan, sees that as an opportunity to buy cards. Like, personally and like I don't want to make this like a prism gold hype fest. I just I love the prism gold because I love gold cards, I love shiny cards, I love brands that are significant and like I just don't like I know prism gold are like part of the conversation and everyone knows that they're awesome cards. I just see players that I love and players that I know other people love. I have the prism gold search on eBay and I see just Hall of Fame type guys in their third year, fourth year of their cards. like And I just look at the price of that. And I'm like, man, this seems super reasonable and super affordable as opposed to some of what is happening on the other side with some mainstream cards. So I'm getting off the Prism Gold Soap box for a minute, but those cards are significant. And I just love the fact that Tim called them out. I think it's also important he talked about stages. We all evolve. I think we all inherit knowledge during these stages. And really, to me and my observations and monitoring, the power is, is when you inherit this knowledge through those different stages, and you not only inherit it and keep it for yourself, but you begin to share it out with other members of the community. My role in all of this is to try to facilitate those conversations and facilitate that knowledge out because I believe that the more we learn and share with each other about specific errors of cards, about specific sets, products, parallels, I believe it makes for a stronger community. I'm not a transactional thinker. I'm a long-term thinker. And my mindset is the more we can educate around bad fucking ass cards and have people who are super passionate about those cards share it with you You're going to get fired up, you're going to get inspired, and you're going to stay in the hobby and go through those cycles that you're going to pass down and share that knowledge with everyone else. On Friday, I've got my man, new character unlocked, Justin, 740 Smith cards. He's got an awesome, diverse collection. A lot of Eddie George in there. A lot of fun stuff we're going to talk about, but we've had so many interactions back and forth uh, over the last several months. I felt like it was time to unlock a new character, so excited to share that conversation with you. I want to dig into something I got a ton of feedback on, just as the primary topic for today's conversation. But maybe dive a little deeper into my process. I got a lot of comments when I made a statement. I think in last week's episode where I said something. To the fact of like, you know, we we've got a new baby on the way. We moved houses. Different financial situation. But my card process and the way I spend money on cards and the way I move through cards stayed the same. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. So I think we go through stages and in these moments um, there are cards back to like the, the Tim uh, Marino collector talking about his eras and his stages of collecting. We go through these stages and in these moments, And in these eras of our collecting, there are certain cards that make sense for our collection during those times. Sometimes we grow out of those sets and grow out of those players. And there's a couple different levels to this, but some examples for me. So I was trying to complete the five timers club black set not too long ago. I was like three or four cards short and I just... I had a couple projects going on. I was, you know, I had my player collecting collections going on and I just like lost the passion to complete that set in a way that I grew a little out of it where my decision was I'd rather take the equity from these cards and sell them because I'm looking for another card that I would put this in. That's having fun collecting something but then growing out of it. Um we've all if you're new back to the hobby within the last, you know, several years, you know, you probably sucked in through the prospect prism phase. We all went through that. We evolved through that era. And now, at least for myself, it's not something that I think about. I think about being in this position that I was, man, it seems like forever ago, but it was three seasons ago when Carson Wentz was the new quarterback of the Colts, right? I went all in. I bought a bunch of Carson Wentz cards, That season didn't go as planned and neither did him as the quarterback. So I got rid of all of my Carson Wentz cards. I think sometimes we have to give up awesome cards to get awesome cards. Okay, So I have a lot of things running right now because I'm always running. It is keeping the process rolling. So I have my, um, it'll have ended by the time this goes live, but I have my Marvin Harrison PMG Red bgs 8.5 it'll have sold it was up for auction i know that card rules and that i had fun with that card while i owned that card but based on some other moves and some other interests that i have in a new era of collecting i decided you know what i can give up that card because of how many there are there's and go and focus and buy have that money be spent on something that Maybe there's, this is the only shot that I have. This has happened with me with patent cards. I've gone through so many different iterations in my patent collecting, buying gold refractors, selling gold refractors to move into something that is more rare and scarce. Those cards that I gave up, I still consider awesome cards. And at some point in a lot of those instances, probably would buy those cards again. But it's just the era changes. Then there are cards that we own that we know aren't going anywhere. I think about my Roman superfractors. Like I have no interest to sell my Roman Reigns Superfractors because Roman Reigns is a primary PC. I have a ton of fun collecting him. And those cards in my Roman PC are my favorite cards. I think about O2 Gold X Fractor Peyton. Yeah, there's 101 copies of that card. I've got it in a PSA 9. I love that card. I just have no interest in selling it. The o 2 X-Fractor Finest Peyton Manning out of 20. No interest in selling it. I think different stages all have different levels, but instead of dipping into my funds, I always look to, for ways to pull equity out of my PC. I think the mainstream makes you think that, that you need to get more money for each card that you buy. Like you buy a card for 100 bucks, And if you're going to sell it, you need to go sell that for 150. That's not really how it works all the time. And so I don't think the mainstream, when you're seeing it on the reel, take these things into consideration. They're not taking into consideration the utility value of the time spent with those cards. They're not taking into consideration what the sale of that card for whatever you're selling it for does for you in that moment. How does that card help you get into a card that you want that is more desirable? Those are the things that we're not talking about because it's too it's easier to talk about the transaction of it all. I bought a card for a hundred. I sold a card for hundred and fifty. So what? Who cares? What I care about is moving my cards, whatever their whatever price they're going for, for cards that I love more because it's about the damn cards. I think in my life as a marketer, it's it's always been about keeping the drum beat alive it's always experimenting and making moves by experimenting and making moves i always learn and there's sometimes i gain big from these experiments and sometimes i lose you have to be okay with losing losing to someone else might mean that you're winning or losing Someone might view what you're doing as losing, but to you, it might seem like you're winning. I think being in a position where you have control and know how to manage your situation is super powerful. I think back to the conversation I had with my good friend, Paul Wordle Combat, and just understanding like, he has always got stuff happening. He's always got cool cards coming in. He's always selling cool cards. And so he, in that episode, you'll have to go back to the archive to check it out. Um, and I highly recommend, Paul's a great guy. You should follow him at World Combat. But I think I just loved the way he talked about his process so openly. And I think the keys are just to know your budget and know what the rough estimate of your collection is worth, because you don't want to be scared when a card comes up for auction that you need, right? But you might not have the cash right then to get it. We can always make moves and there's different levers that we can pull to make those happen. There's a card uh, available. Don't be scared. Like, I'm in this process right now as I'm going into this weekend. There's a card available. It's up for auction. Am I going to win it? I don't know. But I've already gone through the process of trying to understand what I need to do in order to make that happen if that card lands in my PC. This is about being the CEO of your PC. And this is the stuff that unlocks levels for you as the collector. I want to close the episode out by sharing some responses from post I put together after last week's episode around what's one thing that, you know, you uh, define as being the CEO of your PC on going read those and we're going to get out of here and we're going to watch some football on the other side of this. Mostly 90s basketball cards. Decide what cards are the best on your own. Don't listen to anyone else's lists. This is so powerful. No one else's lists matter. They're all subjective. No one can tell me that the top 100 cards of all time are these. Most of those cards I don't give a shit about because I don't collect those cards. And it's the cards that everyone else likes. The cards I like are the cards that no one else likes because I try to get on the ground floor and find those cards because that's what I love about collecting. So love that. Cardiac Kimba PC, block out the hobby mainstream and collect cards you are passionate about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Saints Cards 12, been enjoying following that page. Sourcing Grail, LSU Tiger Collector 65, run my card budget by my CFO, in parentheses, wife. Very smart. I talked about that. Cardic Sports Cards, create a mission statement you can use as you're collecting North Star. I love that. Nostalgia Cards, guide it. Companies pivot, so can you. Absolutely. AJM Cards, 90, 1994. Buy what sports and players you like and what you're passionate about. Vol and NC Cards, be active. Don't be afraid to move cards to get cards that you like more. That's what it's all about. Cardstock Z. Also, I want to say this. You never have to explain yourself to people. You never have to let people know why you're selling something or whatever. You don't need to tell anyone. You just do it. Like, don't need to explain. No one cares. Just sell your stuff because you're buying in other stuff. That's all that matters. Cardstock Z, finding your category of expertise. Ginter Gold Fever, stay disciplined, know the market and find your CFO, CO and CPO. Yes, I love the business references. Sports card struggles, deciding who to keep and who to fire, sell, so you can hire, buy, better ones. Love it. We're seeing consistent themes. Wrestling card wizard, follow your values, remember the why. Always remember the why. 90s kid card collector, I decide what's important to me and what I want my PC to look like. Yes, Kevin M. Cormier, try to not be another person in a crowded space. Standing out is important. Lakeside collects. ID your North Star and then create the habits and system to get there. Reflect. Reflecting is so important. Mass hole sports cards have the final say, no matter what other opinions or influences are floating around. Final say. Vintage Pacers, be flexible. But don't let sellers gouge you just because they have something you need. 740 Smith Cards, Friday's guest. Have a succession plan of PC with future co CEOs, kids, and helping build your PC. Love that. Mikey in the Hobby, make decisions, find services to do the task better than you selling. I love that one. I've outsourced tasks to allow me to focus more on the parts of the hobby that I love, and it's been transformational. Colorado Collector, consistently revisit my fo- focus and try to keep it somewhat narrow. Bob Hosta Collection, I have created a tiered want list and I cannot move to lower tiers, tiers until I buy the top tier ones. Drake's PC, ensure my PC doesn't look like everyone else's. Absolutely. AWI Card Collection, have fun collecting cards. Investor Hobby, Rotate as Needed, Banger and Wax, Goal Setting, stacking Kabooms, Build Sustainable Value, Mike's Card Museum, Evaluate, Purge, Refine, Mad City Collector, I can take inspiration from other collectors, but I can chart and cu- curate my own, Doc Collects Cards, Stop and Smell the Roses, Appreciate what you already got in your PC once in a while, Midlife Crisis Cards, Curate the Collection and Continually Push Myself, Iowa Dave, Give myself permission to impulse buy. The hobby's less fun when there's too many rules. Absolutely. Henry Rowinger, Gardner Cards. Be, being disciplined in search, the funds, curation of the collection. Louis Skywalker for Collector. Evaluate your PC, set goals, and stick with it. Easy to get distracted, buying the hype. Charm City Tim, taking a break will not put you behind. It's not a race. Suppress the FOMO and reset. Great advice. Soccer card corner, decide what set card player gets me excited to chase, set the tone for everything in May sports, revisit, prioritize my PC goals and rank my PC in case I need consolidation. Appreciate everyone's engagement responses and helping share what's on your mind and how you do the things you do the more we share not only our pc but our process the better this community and the better this hobby is going to be i promise you that you take care of yourself take care of others around you stacking slabs is going to keep on coming at you on the other side of this stay tuned friday's episode boom baby